0: Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. The hippopotamus is not a cuddly animal. Sure, it has that reputation, it looks friendly, those chubby cheeks, and it kind of resembles a manatee, which actually is a totally chilled water mammal. But according to Britain's The Daily Telegraph, Hippos are the large land animal that were most deadly to humans last year. In 2016, these seemingly cute cow-like cuddle buddies were responsible for the deaths of about 500 human beings. That's a lot. For perspective, lions, which are actual predators and carnivores, killed about 100 people. Elephants also killed about 100 people. Wolves and sharks... Those animals are literal symbols of fierceness and danger. They killed 10 people each in 2016. The hippo was 50 times more deadly than the shark during the last calendar year. But where's hippo week? These river dwelling thunder cows are extremely territorial. While they maintain a vegetarian diet, they are not shy about using their considerable size and strength to just straight-up murder anyone or anything who intrudes upon their territory. Male hippos average 3,300 pounds, they have gigantic, sharp, powerful teeth, they have crushing jaws, and they are very mobile both in and out of the water. They are nature's tanks, and if you see a hippo in the wild, keep your distance, it does not want you to pet it. It will bite your arm off. But in the early 20th century, a few dedicated and crazy human beings decided that it would be a great idea to import these extremely dangerous large animals to the United States and let them live in southern bayous. Our story begins with a World's Fair. In 1884, New Orleans, or Nolens hosted a World's Fair, and that naturally included exhibits from around the world. The Japanese delegation, they brought a gift with them, water hyacinths, hyacinths that were planted in the bayous surrounding the World's Fair grounds. Now, these flowers, they bloomed in lakes and lagoons, they covered the aquatic surface with a quiet layer of green broken up by occasional flowers. They are indeed beautiful, but They were also not native to the southern bayous, so they reproduced considerably. Years after the close of the 1884 World's Fair, the hyacinths remained, reproducing in the swamps without any native plant predators to keep them in check. The hyacinths bred like rabbits, or rather, rabbits breed like hyacinths in Louisiana, Nothing could get rid of these plants. The invasive species was choking out the native wildlife, and even going so far as dousing these things in oil and flame did not get rid of them. What to do? A Louisiana congressman called Robert Broussard had an idea about what to do. He figured that because Louisiana was being ravaged by an invasive plant species, naturally the solution would be to get an invasive animal species to eat it. So... Hippos. He figured that you could just bring in these very large plant-eating aquatic mammals, they would eat the hyacinths, and there you go. And bonus, the South would have hippos in it. But that's not all. The initial idea, Broussard's initial idea, was contemplating hippos as a solution to Louisiana's plant problems, but at the same time, Other people were also thinking of importing hippos to the United States for other, different reasons. For meat. In the early 20th century, America's population was growing rapidly, and the supply of meat looked like it could not meet the demand. Meat prices were rising, availability was scarce, and soon the meat question, as it was called, became one of the prevailing problems in American politics and policy. So among the advocates, among the early advocates for eating hippo meat, was William Irvin, a scientist with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, who, among other things, was also an advocate for eating turkey eggs. Those were, he reasoned, larger than chicken eggs, they had a thicker shell, yet they could keep for longer, and it was weird that we ate the eggs of one domesticated fowl, but not another. So Irvin was all about bringing in even bigger cow-type things and eating that. Also backing this idea of hippo meat were Russell Burnham and Friedrich Duquesne, two men who were at once very similar and also very different. Uh, Burnham was one of those wealthy adventurer types who liked to go to Africa and shoot very large animals, and he was the inspiration for the Boy Scouts. Robert Baden-Powell, the founder of the Boy Scouts, knew him. And to this day, scouts wear neckerchiefs because Russell Burnham did. They're modeled on that guy. So the original Boy Scout, he thought, hey, cool survival trick, eating hippo. Also a big advocate for eating hippos was Friedrich Duquesne. Uh He was a Boer, that is, a descendant of Dutch settlers to South Africa, so he was born in Africa, but he was a descendant of, you know, non-Native Europeans, and he made a living as a con man. He had a weird life. He uh had a whole bunch of different sort of con jobs he pulled. At one point, he faked insanity, got admitted to an insane asylum, he faked his own death once, and at the end of his life, he was found guilty of being a spy for the Nazis, so yeah, we could do an entire episode just about him, but like Burnham, he also enjoyed shooting very large animals. So these folks are the principal advocates for bringing hippos to the United States so the hippos can eat hyacinths and then we can eat the hippos. Suddenly we'll have these African thunder cows that are machines for turning hyacinths into food. One of Russell Burnham's big arguments for importing hippo meat, he said, Hey, The U.S. has already imported plenty of other animals, cows, horses, sheep, pigs, chickens. Those were all brought in from across the Atlantic. Why not one more animal? Why not hippos? And Duquesne noted that boars ate hippos all the time. They hunted them, ate them, and he said they tasted great. Um, I was wondering what hippo tasted like when I was preparing this episode and found a description by a writer called Peter Hathaway Capstick, and he was one of those, like, safari white guys who also like to go to Africa and shoot things. Dudes like that are kind of a theme in this episode. He wrote a book called Death in the Long Grass about his shooting things safari experience, and of eating hippo meat, he said this, quote, It is my personal opinion that hippo meat is one of the finest of game foods. I had a safari chef who could make a better stroganoff from the thick thigh interior fillets that lie under the ribs along the spine than you could buy in New York. Just as it would be difficult to describe the taste of beef to a person who has never tried it, so it is with hippo. The taste is mild, less than lamb and more than beef, slightly more marbled than usual venison. It tastes exactly like... Well, hippo, unquote. And plenty of people who live in sub-Saharan Africa eat hippos. In fact, hippo meat is popular enough in Congo that that country banned hunting the animal about 10 years ago, worrying that demand for hippo meat would threaten the local population. That's all great. Hippos are native to sub-Saharan Africa. In the U.S., they would have been an invasive species let loose in the Louisiana bayou, and their only predator would have been... Us. It would have been completely on us to keep that population in check. Which is a big ask, but still, Broussard, Burnham, and Duquesne were undeterred by this little ecological detail, and they formed an advocacy group for eating hippo meat called the New Food Society. In 1910, Congressman Broussard introduced House Resolution 2361 to the House of Representatives, known as the American Hippo Bill the bill would have appropriated $250,000 for the, quote, importation of useful animals to the U.S. That $250,000 in 1910, by the way, would be about $6.25 in 2017 cash. And this was not some fringe bill that just died in committee. No. This had support. This generated buzz. Former President Theodore Roosevelt was all about bringing hippos to the United States, and that's not at all surprising for some reason, and this bill got the support of the paper of record of the New York Times. This is a New York Times editorial from April of 1910, and it's titled Lake Cow Bacon. Quote, Lake Cow Bacon, made from delicious hyacinth-fed hippopotamus of Louisiana's lily fringe streams, should soon be obtainable from the southern packing houses. Properly seeded, southern streams and marshes will grow 30 to 50 tons of hyacinth to the acre, and on 6,400,000 now useless acres in the Gulf states, 1 million tons of the most delicious of flesh foods worth $100 million may be grown yearly. This is a statement of of Dr. W. N. Irwin of the Federal Bureau of Plant Industry, supported by the testimony of other good authorities and favoring Congressman Broussard's bill to introduce for domestication and food purposes in our various climates the unused habitats from some 100 species of mammals from all parts of the earth. That would relieve the meat famine and in the best way." Unquote. By the way, Hippos were only the beginning. Uh, had this gone through, Broussard and his cohorts, Russell and Duquesne, they thought, hey, there's a bunch of other stuff that we could also bring into the United States. The New York Times editorial goes on. It says, quote, the great 400 pound porkers of northern Manchuria, the yak from Tibet, a saddle and draft animal good for its flesh and milk. The llama from South America, the African buffalo, the hides of which produce better leather than is found in our finest shoes, the gentle white rhinoceros of excellent flavor and adapted to our southwestern deserts. Delicious small antelopes of Africa and Manchuria, to be used as an adjunct to the farmer's poultry yard in our central, southern, and Pacific Coast states. The little blue and red doikers, weighing twenty-five to thirty pounds. The tiny pa or dick-dick weighing six to ten and a half pounds, fit for a Christmas feast. The giraffe with the purest flesh, free of uric acid, that would live on the scrub of our deserts. The elephant the camel, and the zebra are just a few of the many foreign animals that can be domesticated here for useful labor and for food. We have enriched our native stocks of flowers, fruits, and vegetables with contributions from all over the world, but we have strangely overlooked the possibility of drawing upon the earth's stock of useful, edible, and ornamental mammals." we hope the Louisiana legislature will look into this matter as requested by its Forest Fish and Game Commissioner and that Congress will pass Mr. Broussard's bill, Unquote. So there you go, the greatest pillar of American journalism saying, sure, why not bring hippos to Louisiana? What could possibly go wrong? Uh, in the end, though, it was not to be. The American hippo bill Failed by a single vote in the House of Representatives, and the animal importation envisioned by the New Food Society and the New York Times never happened. Efforts to bring hippos to the U.S. continued even after the bill failed, but eventually the cause faded away. As for the hyacinths, Louisiana still has plenty of them, and they have to cull them with herbicide today. That invasive species from 1884 that kind of kicked off this whole thing, it's still with us. America, meanwhile, solved its meat problem by making cattle farming just more efficient. Instead of importing megafauna, we now have larger cattle and factory farms that feed the U.S.'s insatiable desire for burgers and steak. There is one instance, though, where hippos were brought to the Americas and now roam free. The drug kingpin Pablo Escobar had a few of the animals brought to his mansion as pets because... I guess he thought it was cool, so Escobar's mansion is now in ruins, but the descendants of his pet hippos now swim through the area near his decaying old palace, and Colombian authorities are not entirely sure what to do with them, as they are large, belligerent, they have no native predators, and they seem to be taking over the area. That was almost the case with America. Imagine if the American hippo bill had passed. Picture the early 20th century. A ship, bound for the Gulf Coast, is packed with hippos, but suddenly, the massive beasts slip their bonds. With their considerable weight and mighty teeth, they smash through the ship's timbers. Three thousand pounds of aquatic mammal slams a hole in the side of an American ship. Water rushes in, and the formerly captive hippos swim away from the sinking vessel and drowning crew. Their gigantic feet eventually reach American soil, and they roar triumphantly at the new continent, saying, this place is ours. These bayous are ours. They disappear into the swamp, gorging themselves on Hyacinth, the endless, plentiful Hyacinth. The hippos reproduce, all the while fending off human invaders, Boats and rafts that attempt to brave the bayou are smashed and broken. Humans who'd hunt the beast find themselves in the grip of giant jaws, held underwater until they drown. Building projects that would extend into the southern bayous are abandoned. If you build in the bayou, the hippos will come for you. The swamp is theirs. The swamp is theirs. And all over Louisiana and the rest of the gulf The thunder cows reign supreme, the dark bogs and the mossy waters are abandoned of human habitation, and only foolhardy big-game hunters venture in. They do not venture out. Those wise in the ways of the wild tell anyone who would enter the waters, stay away, stay away, steer clear of the hyacinths, avoid the swamp, don't go into the bayou, whatever you do, don't go into the bayou that is hippo country